0: Turn with me in your Bibles, if you brought it with you, to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit that inspired the Word of God will now speak to the people of God who are hearing the Word. And I pray that all that we hear today will come straight from the Scriptures. Will you join me in prayer? Our Father and our God, we come before you as your kingdom people. We are the people of the kingdom of God through faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ who brought the kingdom of God to us. We pray, O Lord, that our hearts will be repentant, that we would seek the dust and the ashes of repentance as we look deep into our souls and allow the Holy Spirit to examine us of the changes that we need to make in order to live in the kingdom daily. For your kingdom is awesome and beautiful and wonderful and lovely and of good report. It is what's best for us. Hide the preacher behind the cross and fill him, Lord, with your Holy Spirit as we seek to proclaim the Word of God with feet of clay. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and all who agreed said, Amen and Amen. Well, you're welcome to read along with me as uh, I read this text today from the screen. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Today we're going to talk about three aspects of this passage of Scripture. And if you'll go ahead and put up the first slide on the sermon. We're going to talk about the invitation to the kingdom of God. Jesus said, come unto me. Come unto me. That's the invitation to join Jesus in the kingdom of God. And then we're going to talk about the instructions He gives about living in the kingdom of God. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. Those are the instructions that Jesus offers to us if we will come unto Him. We must be teachable, we must be willing to learn, we must be willing to grow. So if we come unto Him and then we learn from him, we'll have some insights. And I pray today that we will be able to enjoy some of those insights. But first let me talk about what is the kingdom of God. You've heard it mentioned all throughout the Bible. In the Gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's mentioned 125 times. Pretty significant, don't you think? This kingdom of God. In Matthew's Gospel alone, it's mentioned 55 times. Approximately half of the expressions or mentions of the Kingdom of God are in this book of the Bible. Now, we've said before, as we preach through Matthew's Gospel, it's about the King. That's kind of the theme that runs through the Gospel of Matthew. So, what is this Kingdom of God? Well, number one, Kingdom of God is universal. In fact, it is the general sovereignty of God, His rule over all that He has created. God rules from His holy heaven, wherever that is. And God is sovereign in control of all that's happening in world events. This world appears to be out of control today. But God's not out of control, and God has not left it alone Some say God created the world like a watchmaker. He just wound it up and let it go and has no involvement with this world since He created it. The big bang, and it all went out. And He has no involvement since. That's called the watchmaker idea of God creating the world. But the Bible says very clearly, God watches over all that He created. And God is not what He created. That's pantheism. God is apart from all that He created. And He is governing it to His purpose. And when God laid the foundation for the earth before He ever created it, according to the book of Ephesians, God had a plan. And that plan was for you and me to live with Him in a love relationship that will last forever and forever and forever. God created you and me for a love relationship that will last forever and forever and forever. The Bible says in Psalm 103, The LORD established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. We talk about kingdoms of this earth, really or realms of this earth. We talk about China, we talk about Russia. We talk about Germany, we talk about Africa. The realm of God, the kingdom of God, is over all that exists. So the Bible speaks of His kingly rule, His reign, His action, His lordship, and His sovereign governance and involvement in all that is happening. Is God involved? What's going on with Russia right now? I guarantee He is. It's not out of His sovereign control. So God, the kingdom of God is universal. The kingdom of God is also very personal. Very personal. It's the rule and the reign of God that has come to us in Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus is God become a human being like us, took on the form of human flesh. And when He came to preach in the Gospel of Matthew, the first thing He said was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. At hand means I'm here, and I'm God with you, and I'm bringing to you the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is personal, in that you and I can literally step into the kingdom of God. Just like you step from one border to another. There's a place called Four Corners Out West, And four different states come to that corner. Anybody ever been there? You can step over here and be in one state, step over here and be in another state, step over here and be in another one, step over here and be in another state. You can literally step out of the realm, the spiritual realm of this world that's evil, and take one step in Jesus Christ and live daily in the kingdom of God. It's that simple, but it's not that easy. It's that simple, but it's not that easy. Jesus also said to us, the kingdom of God has come, but it's not yet here. It's here, but there's more to come. Because the kingdom of God that is present is alive in folks like you and me who have professed Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. We've invited Christ to come live in our life, and we say, Jesus, take charge of my life. Folks, that's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be saved. So the kingdom of God is his presence in us, his rule in us. You say, well, where is Jesus now? He's not here. He's been crucified. He has ascended to heaven. Uh, Where is he? How do we get Jesus in us? Jesus is here speaking to you, and you came to church today. You did not come here today by your own volition, or your own choosing, or your own will, or, you know, I think I'll go to church today. Folks, that is the Holy Spirit of God that is calling you to Himself. And Jesus said in this passage, come unto me, come unto me, come unto me. Folks, it's the Holy Spirit of God that draws you to Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the kingdom of God. You get that? And you can live in this kingdom that he talks about daily as you walk with Christ and let him be your Lord and your Savior. Now I'm going to throw a little tricky saying to you. It took me about two years to figure it out, but you all are sharp, and I know you'll get it in about two seconds. Dallas Willard says the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and re- resurrection, being saved, if you want to call it that, is less about how to get to the kingdom of heaven after you die, and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. Uh, we, we, get, we, get, we, we, we make a decision, and we invite Christ to come live in our life and be Lord of our life, and someday I'm going to live with Him in His holy heaven, but right now i got to get through all the hardships here in this life. No, no. The kingdom of God in heaven has come into your life in the Holy Spirit. And the gospel that saves you is the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so it's more about living in the kingdom of God before you die, not after you die. You can live in the kingdom of God right now. So let's talk about that invitation that he gives here in this passage of Scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is calling for everyone, and He's inviting everyone, just not a few, but everyone to come and know His kingdom. Particularly those who are open to change, those who are open to confess a sin, those who are open and willing to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Earlier in this same passage of Scripture, He warned those who were... um, who, who were rebellious and were not ready, and he called them, these were the people who were wise, and these were people who were self-sufficient. These were people who were spiritual, but they didn't want Jesus. These were people who were separated from Christ, They and uh, they were lost and damned for a, a devil's hell, but had no awareness of the condition that they were in. There are a lot of self-sufficient people in our world, and Jesus preached to them because they were in the leadership of the temple. In fact, uh, he said, Father, I thank you that you did not reveal these to the wise and the intelligent. Uh, This news about the gospel being able to live in your life was not received by the wise and the intelligent of his day. It was received instead by babes. It was received by babes. Jesus said, Come to me like a baby. Come to me being hungry. You know, babies are hungry. They've got to be fed all the time. Your soul is hungry. That's why you're here today. Your soul is hungry for God. Your soul is hungry for fellowship. Uh, that's eternal because you know you're going to die. You know you're going to uh, you, you live a mortal life, and this world is going to come to an end. And you are hungry. Are you hungry to come to Jesus? Dallas Willard also said, few people wake up in the morning hungry for God as they are for cornflakes, toast, and eggs. Are you hungry for God? If you hunger for God, Jesus is saying, come to me. Uh, Do you lack experience of knowing what it means to follow Jesus like a child follows a parent? Maybe you're a bit naive. Are you teachable? Are you eager to learn? You know, children are like babes as they grow a little bit older. They are eager to learn. If you'll watch working with preschoolers, they are ahead of you in their thinking and their learning. Their brain is like a sponge, and they're picking up every vibe, every emotion, every fact, every impression that they have. That brain wants to be fed. And if you're going to be a babe-like person in following Jesus Christ, you want to learn more. Uh, you have a, a desire in your heart to be uh, the kind of person that wants to please the Lord Jesus Christ, just like a, a child wants to please its, its authority or please its parents. There's a fellow named Keith who took a cross all across the world. Arthur, Blessed was one. Keith is a different kind of guy, but he took a cross all over the world. And he said, I was a Christian until I was 20 years old, and that's when I met Jesus. He said, when I met Jesus, he said, I fell in love with Jesus. He said, when I met Jesus, I wanted to to please Jesus more than anything else in the world. And he took that cross literally all around the world, and by the grace of God, he would talk about Jesus to everybody he met because the cross that he carried was this tall, huge wooden cross like Arthur Blessed used used to, to carry. You see, folks, the difference is between the wise and the intelligent who don't want to know about Jesus, who resist Jesus, who say, I'm too self-sufficient, I don't need God, I don't need to be in church, I don't need to be in worship, I don't need Bible study, I don't need all that stuff. In fact, 85 or 89 percent of Meade County citizens will not be seeking God today. That's the self-sufficient of just the county that we live in today. But there is a 10 percent that says, I want to know, I want to grow, I want to become all that Christ wants me to be. Like a babe, they're wide open to learn, wide open to grow, and wide open to become. Let's talk about some of the instructions that Jesus gives to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And he said, how do you learn from Jesus? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Let's look at some of the instructions. Take my yoke and learn from me. Take my yoke and learn from me. What is he talking about, a yoke? Well, he's talking about a double yoke. He's talking about a double yoke. Anybody ever seen uh, two oxen uh, uh, yoke together? uh, Rodeo or out in the field or where the Amish live? Has anybody ever seen that? All right, all right. Has anybody ever... Uh, seen that on, you know, a picture or anything like that. If you'll notice, one of the oxen is mature and the other oxen is a bit younger. One of the oxen is carrying most of the wisdom and the training and what he's learned, and the other oxen is learning from the mature one. That's what it's like to be double yoked with Jesus Christ. When you are yoked with Jesus, he's not just taking away all your problems. When you're double-yoked with Jesus Christ, you're the learner, and he's the very wise one. You're the one that's growing. He's the one that knows the way. You're the one that's facing trials and temptations and hardships, and Jesus is the one that says, if you'll just stay with me, I'll get you through it. If you'll just follow me and walk with me, I will get you through it. So today, the kind of yokes that we carry that burden us down the most are the trials that we face in this life. It's the unforgiveness that builds up in us like a cancer. Now, some of us in Sunday school this morning studied that very carefully in the life of Joseph and how uh, bitterness could have built up in his life, but he found a way to let that bitterness go. Uh, Also, guilt builds up in our life of things that we have done wrong. And then there's shame. You know, shame is worse than guilt. When you feel guilty about something, you can say, you know, I was wrong. I, to make a, I made a mistake. Uh, I can make a change and do better next time. But shame is how you see yourself, what somebody told you. Now, I've said several times here, if a parent, a guardian, or a school teacher, or anybody in your life told you that you're no good, you're not worth anything, and you'll never amount to anything, they lied to you. They lied to you. And so you go around thinking, you know, I'm just a screw up. I screw up everything I do. That's who I am. Folks, that's shame. That's shame. And Jesus doesn't want you to carry shame. Jesus wants you to be free of that self perception that somebody else gave you. Somebody else g- g- gave you that and you did not deserve it. So to take the yoke of Christ is to take this very special grace of God that's greater than all our sin. Paul said in the Bible, wherever sin abounded, no matter how much sin we had, the grace of God to forgive us was greater than whatever sin we had committed. So to have faith in Jesus and trust in Jesus Christ is to appreciate and enjoy this Wipe the slate clean grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be double yoked with Jesus Christ. The pastor called on one of his deacons every Sunday or so to pray. And during his prayer, he'd say, Lord, prop us up on our leaning side. And a few Sundays went by, a few weeks went by, and this young pastor talked to his deacon and said, why do you talk about propping us up on our leaning side? He said, well, Pastor, I had an old barn one time. Some of you have seen this in Kentucky. He said, I had an old barn one time, and, it's, and it was leaning. He said, I had to go out there and find some boards and prop that uh, barn up so that it would not fall down. He said, that's what I mean when I say, Lord, lift us up on our leaning side. Folks, that's kind of what it means to follow Jesus and be double-yoked with Him. Because we have burdens that... that that uh, that just weigh us down, burdens that just won't go away. And Jesus is saying, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and meek, and you will find rest for your weary soul." To be humble means strength that is quiet. It's not strength that is showy, hey, look who I am, look what I can do, or look what I did. Humility is strength that is quiet and un- unnoticed. Jesus gives us that kind of strength because he was that kind of person. Now, there were times when Jesus overturned the tables in the temple. That's God's righteous anger, but Jesus taught us to turn our cheek. Jesus taught us to go the extra mile. Jesus taught us to be generous and give extra clothing if someone asks anything of us. Folks, pride and arrogance and popularity are the enemy of Christian character. Let me say it again. Pride, arrogancy, and the desire to be popular are the enemy of Christian character. In the history of our nation, or in in Europe, and later influenced us, was a man who was in the slave trade over in Europe. And uh, after being a slave himself, he learned what it was like to sell people, and to be confined, and to be abused. And He he became an abolitionist, and his name was John Newton. And John Newton has written a song that all of us can sing. Before he Before we sing this song, he said these words. He said, I am persuaded that love and humility are the highest attainments in the school of Christ and the brightest evidences that he is indeed our master. Now listen carefully. Let's do a little Greek Bible study here. When Jesus says you will find rest for your weary soul, when Jesus said Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your weary soul. Have any idea a modern word that comes from that word rest in the Greek language? The word rest in the Greek language is skoli. How many of you go to school this week? How many of you have ever been in school? You see, in Jesus' day, to be, to be afforded to go to school meant that you didn't have to work all the time. You were either a slave or a slave. Or you work for somebody else, but only the small amount of people, only the elite, were able to go to scola or to go to school. It's where we get the word leisure, it's where we get the word learning without the stress of working hard. I always envied those guys in seminary that didn't have to work, they just hung around the dorm, hung around the library, somebody was paying the bill. But I was off working my tail off because uh, I didn't have that kind of funding. I was kind of jealous of those guys. But then I learned that I could get through that period of time if I just remained faithful to what Jesus wanted me to do. John John Newton wrote a song that we can all sing together right now. Remember, he said it was the school of Christ to be double-yoked with Jesus, to find rest with Him, means we are learning from Him. It is the school of Christ that guides us through what we're going through. Anybody know the song? Sing it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. John Newton learned a whole lot about himself when he humbled himself and gave his life to Jesus Christ and became double yoked with him. And now he's been a blessing to us. Well, what are some of the insights that that we have now that we are Christ in us, the hope of glory, we with Christ, we are co-laborers with Him. That's what it means to be double yoked. You don't do the work of a Christian by yourself. You don't serve by yourself. You're not doing it with your own strength. It is the strength of very God within you to say no to the wrong things, to say yes to the right things, to make the right and wise choices. It's the strength of the Holy Spirit within you to not give up, but to continue in the work and the ministry that God has called you to do. Well, one thing is, we discover, we we learn, we discover, these are some of the insights, we discover that the highs and the lows of life do not alternate our relationship with Jesus Christ. We all go through highs. We all go through lows. But our relationship with Jesus remains the same. If you will yoke with Jesus and stay with Jesus, pray, continue the spiritual disciplines of Bible study and prayer and uh, worship in the house of God, He will give you the strength to be steady, steady, steady in the ups and the downs of life. In fact, He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he means by that, we could translate that lightly. God will lighten your load. We also find value in just the everyday Monday things of life. In order to walk with Christ, every day doesn't have to be awesome. I don't have an awesome day every day. Now, when we go to camp with our students at crossings, uh, you hear that word all the time, awesome, awesome, awesome. They're trying to get them out of the work of day, you know, the, the crisis world they live in and, and understand the awesome grace of God. But every day is not a awesome day. Some days are just routine, kind of boring, kind of mundane. But that doesn't change my relationship with Jesus Christ. I continue faithfully with my church responsibilities. I continue faithfully with my spiritual disciplines of prayer, Bible study, Bible reading, and meditation. Another insight is we are at peace with situations that are beyond our control. And of all people, I struggle with that. But as I focus more and love Jesus more, I have a greater peace. And Paul said, when you are without peace, seek the Lord. He is near. He is at hand. There you are, kingdom of God, right here. Rejoice in the Lord. And with everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God will rule in your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We also discover that I don't have to compare myself to other people anymore. In fact, comparing myself to celebrities, students at school, people I work with, friends, if I'm comparing myself to other people, that produces shame in me, a bitterness in me, a frustration in me, and it takes away my joy when I compare myself to others. It takes away my joy in Jesus Christ. I didn't say this, but somebody else did. Reaching our full potential, growing up, maturing in the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come from looking, you know, to others horizontally. It means looking vertically up to Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And the last insight I get so excited about. This is awesome right here. We can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens us. We can James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face the trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing, double-yoked with Jesus the Christ. Well, there you have it. The question is, have you taken on Christ? Paul said, it's like putting on a coat. You take on Christ. And uh, there's an old saying, clothes make the man. Well, when I put on nice clothes, I feel better. When I put on dirty, grubby clothes, oh, I've got to go to work again. Putting on Christ changes your attitude. Let this mind be in you, Paul said, that was also in Jesus Christ. There's somebody here that needs to take on Christ today. You need to have a repentant heart. You need to be like a babe. You need to be open and willing to learn and grow and feed from Jesus. And that's, folks, is how you live every day in the kingdom of God. Get re-centered. Here's the center of the pulpit right here. Get re-centered in Jesus Christ. For anyone who desires to unite with our church from a sister church, a Baptist church, by promise of letter or a church of like faith and order, we will receive you. Or maybe you just want to come and pray during this time. Or maybe sitting right where you are. There's a decision that you need to. There's a change of direction that you need to make. Maybe taking on the yoke again instead of putting it down and saying, "Lord, I'm tired of this, but no, take it up again. He will be kindly. He will be compassionate. He will teach you. How to be humble. Will you stand together as we pray? You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.